0: Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Well, welcome. I'm glad you joined us. Uh, It's so good to see each of your faces. And I know uh, we are in the thick of it. We're in the middle of the semester. And um, yeah, so I just really appreciate you guys. And thank you for being here. So we're continuing in this series, Questions Got Asked Us. And I want to begin by just... Um, talking about the problem in the world and the solution. And I think this comes up a lot. We we talk about the problem or problems in the world, and then we talk about the solutions. Um, And we can all agree that there is a problem or there are problems. And we can all agree that we need to have solutions. We need to come up with a solution. Uh, Where we disagree is maybe perhaps the most important thing. What exactly is the problem at its root? And from that flows, what is the solution? So this passage offers a solution to the deepest human problem. And Jesus gives us the solution, the offering of his own healing, not just the healing of physical ailments, but healing the root and the core of humanity's problems, which is sin. And I think we are going to find that there are some of us that are going to lean this one way and some of us are going to lean another way. Some of us are going to feel like this is too simple of a solution to the problem because it's too narrow, and i 'll explain what I mean by that so some of you m- might be even offended because it's it's just too narrow um, and then others of us are going to m- maybe feel some friction because it's it's a simple solution, and it's too easy. It can't be that easy and so we're going to be talking with some some broad brush strokes tonight um th- These are only for you know teaching purposes, of course it's all not neat and tidy. Um, But I'll get into that in a little bit. The question before us tonight from God, from Jesus, is do you want to be healed? Let me pray before we dive right in. Father, we just ask that your spirit would be with us, that your words would shine through, that they would offer comfort to weak souls, that they would strengthen uh, stumbling faith Lord, would you come and be with us, in Jesus' name, Amen. So, do we want to be healed? Um, sometimes Jesus uh, asks these questions, and they're just so confounding and strange, and kind of disorienting, and and it can seem kind of absurd. Um, I just threw in this meme because it's it's funny and it's um, and it's an absurd uh, scene in Monty Python. It's just a flesh wound. Um, Do we need a solution? Do we need to be healed? Of course. Of course we want to be healed. Of course we need a solution to the world's problems. Like, is that really the question? But the thing that we need to ask ourselves is who is asking the question? Do you want to be healed? Who is asking that? It makes all the difference. So I mentioned there are gonna be two groups, two leanings, two tendencies that we have. I wanna break these down for you. I didn't invent these. These are used by a lot of pastors um, and you might have seen something similar to this before. But the first group I would say is called those who look to vague spirituality for solving the world's problems, or in other words, spiritual healing. We look towards vague spirituality. And the second group is we look to legalistic religion. And what Jesus offers us is he he turns each of these upside down and he offers us a third way that's not a little bit of both, of one and two. It's a completely different solution, it's himself. So let's go through each one of these. This is kind of my outline of the sermon, so you can follow along. Uh, let's talk about vague spirituality. What do I mean by that? Well, our passage begins in Jerusalem by a pool near the Sheep Gate called Bethesda. It's a this colonnaded area. You can you can Google it and see. It looks really nice. It looks like these these two um, open areas surrounded by these walkways covered in columns and the, these these pools in the middle. It looks like a really nice place to hang out, except this was a place where a lot of sick people came. It says there was a multitude of blind, lame, and paralyzed. And certainly they weren't there just hanging out by the pool. No, they weren't sunbathing. They were there seeking healing for what ailed them. This prevented them from probably doing anything else in their lives. Certainly this man who um, who was paralyzed, he couldn't walk, He would come here every day. And it says in verse 5, one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And if you look at uh, life expectancy in that day and age, this is like a good part of his life. And he was considered uh, well into middle age uh, at this point. 38 years. I'm not even 38. (laughs) When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. So this man is helpless. He's hoping for help by the kindness of someone who could come and carry him or offer him assistance into the pool which he hopes might somehow heal him it's interesting that the version Jacob read includes a verse 4 and in most of your Bibles you'll see that verse 4 is omitted um, there's disagreement as to whether verse 4 about the angel stirring the water um, is is actually should be in the in the text but um, Certainly, we can say that there was hope in everyone who came to this pool that there would be some sort of supernatural healing property in it. Um, some have speculated that there could have been some sort of mineral um, spring that, you know, at a, at a certain time of day, it came in and it stirred the, the waters and there was minerals uh, that had some sort of healing properties. Um, Of course, you have this option of an angel coming to, to stir the pool. But regardless, there was a certain belief or hope in the water that it would heal him. And yet, heavy emphasis on the word might. You can imagine every day this man waking up and thinking, maybe today, just maybe, I might be healed by this water. Now, what about us today? Um, Spirituality uh, is a thing that um, we all, sorry, that was a little early. Um, We all, okay, how do I go back, back, there we go. Um, We all appreciate I think, I think we, we live in a very, despite us being in a secular time, you know, uh, we live in a very spiritual time as well. I think we appreciate, we respect different religions, different ways of spiritually expressing ourselves. Um, but a lot of times the way we approach spirituality or even uh, approaching different religions is kind of like a buffet. Um, CC's pizza was one of my absolute favorite restaurants as a very young kid. Um, and, and of course you, you, can probably be rolling your eyes right now. Like it's, it's not the, it's not five-star, you know, Michelin rated restaurant. Uh, but as a kid, you know, if after the soccer game, you get to go to CC's pizza and you get to fill your plate multiple times, which the, which is much kinds of pizza as you like. Uh, it's awesome because it puts you, especially if you're a kid, you don't get to choose what you eat a lot of times. So this puts you in the driver's seat. It says, I get to choose, and I get to fill my plate and go back and back and back and pick and choose what I like, if, you know, if you don't like Hawaiian pizza, you don't go there. If you, if you like pepperoni a lot, you take a lot of that. Um, this is kind of how we approach our faith a lot of times. This is kind of how we approach uh, thinking about religion and spiritual things. We say, well, there's a lot of different stuff out there. And I appreciate some from this, some from there. And I'm going to fill my plate with what might heal me, with what might satisfy my hunger. And we have to ask ourselves how much are we willing to trust ourselves to put together that plate? Because at the end of the day, it's on us. We have to choose. And if we don't choose the right way, well, we haven't chosen rightly and we're not healed. Uh, We weren't right in the end. Uh, What an incredible amount of pressure to put on ourselves where we have to figure out what the right concoction of spirituality and mixture of different religious practices is. What an enormous weight we place on ourselves. This is kind of the way this man was approaching his own healing. He was putting it on himself, and and maybe he was even trusting in others to help him, but he did have his eyes set on that healing pool. You know, if I can just get in there, then I just might. I just might. And it sounds like this is like, well, this is the faith, it's just a might maybe. Well, what we'll see is that's actually not what faith is all about. Um, now, this first category, vague spirituality, pick and choose kind of buffet spirituality, might be a little too wishy-washy for you. And you might find yourself in another category, at least of tendency or leaning. Um, you might be a more of like just analytical thinker. And this might be where you're at. Legalistic religion. Let's, let's look at how we, we seek healing through legalistic religion. Um, maybe you found a religion and you're like, this is great. I have a set of rules. I have practices. I have things I do every week that help me through my week, help me understand uh, just the way the world works, and especially it has rules. Let's look at where this shows up in the passage. Uh, Jesus heals this man. I don't want to gloss over that. We're definitely going to come back to it. He says, get up, take your bed, and walk. And he got up, was healed, took his bed, and walked. But, it goes on. Now, that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. And it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. Now, these were just any Jews. They were uh, leaders among the Jewish people. They were experts in the law. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is this man? And he didn't know who it was. For Jesus had had gone to another place. He had withdrawn. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Send him more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews, Now he knows. It's Jesus who healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Now, a man had just been healed of his sickness. And they recognized this man, surely. They knew what had happened. But their focus was on the mat. And their focus was that it's the Sabbath and he shouldn't be carrying his mat. Now, these guys were right. The tradition based on the Jewish law, the traditions that rabbis had passed down for generations on the Sabbath day did say, in a certain part, on a certain page, a certain section, you can't pick up a mat and take it from one domain to another. So they were so right, they were right. But they couldn't be more wrong. They're completely missing the point. Legalism is checking boxes. It's saying, if I just do this, if I just follow these rules, then I'm accepted by God. Then I can be healed. Then I can go to heaven. Then. So we once again come back to this enormous weight and pressure on our shoulders. It's up to me. I have to follow all the rules. And if I don't, then I won't be healed. What an incredible amount of pressure. In the Garden of Eden, we we, we talked about this, um, I think in one of our first Uh, teachings in our first sessions. Um, We talked about how when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve immediately sought a solution for themselves. They immediately tried to hide their shame to cover not just their physical nakedness, but their their shame of sin before God. And they they sowed fig leaves for themselves. This has kind of always been the case with humans, we, we want to do, we want to come up with a, prob- a solution to the problem ourselves. We want to heal ourselves. And for the legalist, what we do is we, we do good things, we put on a good front because we're trying to cover something that is deeply wrong inside of ourselves. And that's why legalists are just crushed when they're found out in their sin. And that's why legalists are the least vulnerable people you'll ever meet. Because if they're exposed, then they're seen to be who they really are. So it's clear, neither of these solutions work. Neither vague spirituality or legalistic religion works. We need another way. Whenever you come to scripture and especially passages that are just hard to understand, we need to ask a really important question. What does this passage teach me about Jesus? Or what does this passage teach me about God? You really have to hone in on who is God in this passage. And now we'll look at what Jesus shows himself to be. He shows himself to be a healer, first of all. He says to the man, get up. Take your mat and walk. There's one theologian who who conjectures that this mat might have been like a stretcher. And he might have been carried in every single day on this stretcher. So all the more, what an amazing thing to see this man who had been carried on a mat, carry that mat himself. What an incredible reversal of things. Here was a man who had been told, get up, take your mat and walk. And he did. But let's notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, oh, let me be that person that helps you into the water today. I can be that good neighbor. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even say, get up, take your mat and take yourself into the water. No, he says, get up, take your mat and walk. If you can imagine, this man starts to move his foot. He starts to move a calf muscle that never before he could move. He, he bends his knee. He realizes he can get up. He has the strength to bend both knees and then to get up on his own two feet. Can you imagine? This man believed that what Jesus was saying was actually he could do it that he could actually get up, take his mat, and walk. He had faith in Jesus' words. He was healed, not by water, not by his own strength, but by Jesus. You see, in the Bible, we don't have our vague spirituality affirmed. We don't have our legalism affirmed. What we have, and all throughout Scripture, there is a simple message Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. That's coming from one passage in the Bible, but this is the the message of the entire book Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. It's that simple, period. Believe in the Lord Jesus. It's not vague. It's Jesus. It's not legalism. It's not checking the boxes to come to Jesus and one day God saves you. No, it's belief here and now in Jesus and you will be saved. The root disease of humans is sin. And what Jesus does is... way more than anything we could ask or imagine he heals the very root cause of our problem he covers our sin i want to just hang on this slide for a little while this is the simple gospel this is what you can tell your roommate this is what you can tell your five-year-old niece or nephew what is Christianity all about? It can be understood by people young, by people uneducated, and it still is marvelous to those who are extremely educated and who are very old and who've been walking with God for a long time. Jesus is the center. Faith in him is the center of this religion. And friends, there's a, there's a certainty that comes by faith, Um, There is, it's an empirical Jesus that we worship, that we believe in. Uh, He is real. And he heals sinners. But he's also an offender in this passage, right? He offends the legalists, these Jewish teachers. So the gospel at the center of uh, the Bible might be clear. It might be simple but that does not mean it's offensive or obscure, not offensive or obscure to some. The gospel pulls the rug out from under our religious strategies towards healing. Jesus um, is actually referred to in the New Testament as a stumbling block, as a stone of offense. And it reveals that our our hearts are bent inwards. We prefer to heal ourselves. We prefer to uh, kind of come up with self-control enough to be able to win God's favor. But the gospel says that self-control is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? We must be given the strength to walk in holiness. We must be given the Holy Spirit in order to even start to follow the laws of God. Legalism gets it backwards. We have to be given the gift of faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit in order to become holy, like God is holy. The gospel also offends because it's exclusive in its claims. It is God rescuing humanity from his sickness, and he says, I'm the only cure. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes through the Father except through me this is offensive to so many of our instincts but at the same time it's radically inclusive it says come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and lowly in heart for you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light there is no admissions policy other than faith in Jesus. It's the most exclusive and the most inclusive thing we can imagine. But friends, the, the one who, who offends, he's offending our instinct, instincts towards self-salvation. And we, when we relinquish that, And we answer the question, do you want to be healed with, yes, Jesus, will you heal me? God says this to us. He says, and this is from the Old Testament. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Jesus is not going to turn anyone Away, So let's come to him. Do you want to be healed? Father, we just thank you for your gospel. We thank you for its simplicity. Lord, we thank you that it's not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith, that it's faith in you alone that saves. And Lord, we thank you so much for that, something we couldn't do for ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.